0: See you there. Welcome to the Marshall Street (laughs) Podcast. Uh, We're just having a friendly chat, and uh, let's see where this goes. Yeah, welcome Welcome, everybody. Special
1: guest Monica Strutt. Yes. What's up? Welcome to our place. Joining us on the Marshall Street Podcast.
2: It's great. Great to finally be here. Is this is your
1: first time here. <laughs> yeah. I was... thought you. I thought you'd been here before for some reason.
2: I feel like I have just because, like, as we're saying on my podcast, I've kind of watched you guys build this place and like been through the whole journey. And I keep meaning to come here, but I'm glad I'm finally here. So.
3: Welcome, uh, welcome, welcome. We've already cracked a drink.
1: Yes, it is Friday yes. after all. That is just the one. So, drink. Uh,
2: right, So I can hold mine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, one sure. Introduce yourself. Give us a give us a spiel.
2: Um, well, I am a vocalist in a metal band. I also have a business, which is a marketing consulting business for emerging heavy bands, mainly. I'm also a music journalist and... Yeah, that's pretty much And what much are the me.
3: names of those things?
2: Yeah, so my band's called The Last Martyr. We're based here in Melbourne. And um, my business is just under my own name, Monica Strutt. And I work for Heavy Magazine predominantly as a music journalist, although nowadays I mainly just do, like, interviews at festivals and stuff. I'm not doing so many reviews as I was doing um, just because of time <laughs> constraints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have some festivals coming up, so I'm pretty excited to, like, get back into Yeah, that.
3: festival season is coming some is up. is coming. Summer's huh? coming. Oh, yes. Yeah, right. So How that. did
1: you get into? Um, hold on, wait. What was that, Davey? I'm excited for some festivals, dude. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm not going Meredith this
0: year. I'm going Golden Plains instead because I've they've got a better lineup. Right. And you know who's on that lineup?
1: Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's not why I it go. Uh, it's fine, <laughs> <Golden. laughs> man. It's yeah. the vibe. And for everyone thinking about organising a festival, that's the aim. It doesn't matter who's playing. You want to build a good festival brand, yeah. and mm. people will come. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They will come, like World too, ex- or Field of Dreams. Wait till
3: two.
1: <laughs> uh, so even getting back, how did you get into Heavy Mag at the start? Is that, was that kind of your introduction to journalism in the industry?
2: Sort of, but not really. So I've been writing for about over six or seven years now. I started working for a publication called SF Media and SF Media I was there for a couple of years just doing the odd review. And then that um, the owners of SF Media then took over Heavy Magazine and I continued writing a little bit. But then the new owner, um, Carl Newman, who owns it now, he took over in 2000 and. 16 i want to say and then he was looking for a team and that's when i sort of um became a senior staff member as opposed to just a reviewer and i started managing their social media and that kind of like projected me on the path that i'm at cool. today
1: so that was that your first was that what kind of got you into I guess corporate social media or doing social media with business orientated goals
2: Yeah pretty much um, so I had always done social media with my old bands that I was in and I always really liked it and also one of my best friends um, is a really successful YouTuber so I was always fascinated by the idea of social media and I was working in kind of like an admin job f- job for a like rights management like royalty collection company um not Apra it's APRA, but for writers and visual artists, um, the cold copyright agency. So I, cool. um, I was doing like admin customer service and the odd, like, you know, kind of digital marketing website, updating type stuff there. But I looked over at the communications team and saw them playing on social media all day. Mm. And I watched my best friend, um, her name Stephanie Lang be on social media and earn a full-time living for it. And I just became fascinated by it. And I was like, just at this point where I was about to move to Melbourne in the next six months or so after where that. Are you? I was in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and I was like, man, imagine just like playing on social media all day. Like, that'd be <laughs> fucking bad. Now I can't stand it. I actually am probably gonna go on a social media hiatus this weekend. I currently, in my day job, manage social media for a very, very corporate client. And I just like, if it's not my own social media or, like, someone in the creative industry's social media, it's not really my bag. And um, yeah. it's not as fun as what I anticipated, although it definitely, definitely was at first. But it was a lot, like, managing social media for Heavy Magazine, like, getting up at 6 a.m. for festival announcements. Um, and just, like, yeah, you it's like a 24-hour job, basically. So it's definitely not for the faint-hearted. But,
3: Do you reckon yeah. it's changed much because of the... the ability to schedule things now and all that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, it has, um, absolutely, but you still have to be on the ball because if there's a spelling mistake or, like, a factual error or something in there or you get, like, a derogatory comment on something, that's kind of, like you still want to be there to when the post, especially like an announcement post when it goes live to make sure, okay, like even though you've checked it three times, I'm always paranoid, paranoid that I've made like a spelling error or something mm. um, or to make sure that um, there's no technical issues. You know, you haven't scheduled the post for like 2020 <laughs> instead of 2019 yeah, yeah. or something like that, like all these like little things. Like, We've all been there. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Wait, so do, you have to,
0: do you have to like uh, sort of curate the comments as well? So if someone says something like, fucked up shit, you have to like, get rid of that stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean there is a fine line. So I guess like every company has to kind of decide for them. For the most part, like I mean, for Heavy, we kind of let all the comments ride as long as they weren't like derogatory comments towards like a minority or something like that, um, or like hate speech. Um, but like I feel like that's okay. obvious that you just delete that. Well, there's like there's varying degrees. Um, but in terms of like, oh, I hate this festival. Like obviously you're not going to delete like, comments yes. okay. like that. No, yeah, yeah. Cool.
3: It's kind of good though. So you just, just cry you just it up. because then someone <laughs> yeah. else will fucking
2: just jump like illegal shit. Yeah, you know, like, yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like, what do you think is important in terms of like the way that you're seen on social media? Do you think it's important to show your personality or give as much information about, like, say, for example, the band or the the tour that you're doing? Like, what is kind of like the top tier of like importance when it comes to social media posting and things like that yeah
2: so i think definitely showing your personality is a really good good thing to do because at the end of the day like if you have no personality no one's really going to find you interesting Mm. so even those like you know comments that you make that are maybe going to like skew people to maybe not agreeing with you that's absolutely fine like i encourage like polarization However, we do have to still be in control of like how much we sh- like oh shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how no. much we like share on the internet um, because there are some things that I personally like choose to like keep private mm. like. Um, I don't know, like, I mean, I know some people... Such as? Such as, (laughs) yeah. I actually can't think of, like, anything right now that I don't share on the internet. (laughs)
1: Um,
2: Like, yeah, I actually do share, like, just for me personally, I do share a lot, like, on the internet, and I found, like, the more vulnerable I am, like, um, you know, there's always that, like, that post where I'm like, oh, shit, like... Yeah, there's like like that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think it comes back to that in terms of you have to show people your personality because... Thing one, everyone's fucking weird and fucked up. So, mm. like, by showing your little weirdness and those quirks, it's like, cool, it humanizes you. It shows that you're not just this profile you're where, just a bloody yes, robot, we have the like... ability to curate beautiful pictures and look like a fucking magazine, but there's a person behind it. Yeah. So that's where people actually build real rapport and real relationships with the account. Like, there's, people, there's dudes who come through who have known us, who ne- never met us, but know the ins and outs of this place, of us, purely mm. because they watch it through fucking online. I, I,
0: I find that, like when you show that stuff, when you show that, like, I'm a fucked up person or, like, I'm not perfect and you're not doctoring a bunch of stuff, you like, you get a bunch of trust towards but so an individual online. it's obvious that
3: on the other, the other side of things, Correct. if you see someone that's, like, Hugely. trying to, like, portray themselves as this, like, perfect... Attention-seeking, yep. yeah. 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 Humans, just,
2: like,
1: your bullshit radar... Humans' yeah. bullshit radar is pretty fucking good, yeah. okay? Especially our we generation. Name, yeah, and younger, below, they're just getting better and better. Yeah. We won't name others. anyone, but we were just watching someone who's... Bullshit Raider goes off immediately. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like uh, the the faux business world, Yeah, just pretend. Like... And you watch it and you're just like, man, like this is... How is that getting past anybody? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's bananas. Yeah. But so definitely like being yourself. Because at the end of the day, even if you build a fucking monster account or a monster fucking, you know, on whatever platform or whatever industry you're in, if you build it off the basis of you not being true and genuine to what you're really about... It's gonna be a fucking hard slog keeping that shit up and public appearances, yeah. trying to pretend and put on this fucking persona of someone that you're actually not and that you don't live day in and day out. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And uh sorry, uh, sorry about jumping. And then even like polarize, polarizing audience is good because as we. Talk about with our um, mailing list and shit like that. You're better off having someone unsubscribe or unlike you or unfollow you if they're not in it for the right fucking reasons and don't mm-hmm. actually yeah. like well, you. They're not going to buy anything out the from weeds. you. Like- you want your followers to be people who actually resonate with Engage. you, your personal brand, and the shit that you fucking put out. Like if swearing and mohawks and tattoos isn't something you like, guess what? You can fucking, you're probably not in our demographic. <laughs> well, that was. <laughs> Uh, It
2: doesn't seem to resonate with this group. But
1: but people like seeing those big figures there. They're like, oh, man, look at the size of my mailing list. Look how many fucking followers I've got. Like, if those people don't engage with the shit you put out, it's fucking useless. Like, it's completely meaningless.
2: Yeah, Yeah. a lot of bands are still after, um, you know, trying to get, like, you know, 10,000 followers on Instagram. I mean, besides the fact Instagram is, like, really hard to build, it's, like, one of the hardest platforms to build, in my opinion. Yeah. like if people are if you have those followers people aren't commenting like what's the fucking point people can see through it as you said like bullshit yeah. radar is like
3: yeah it's like those times you see someone that's got 50,000 comment uh, followers yeah. and they've got one comment and like 50 likes and you're like
2: yeah, yeah. something's
3: wrong here <laughs> well, well, I photos- like, well, flag- they're all body. real Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you see
2: photos of their live show and no one goes to their live yeah. gigs it's like if you had actual fans you'd probably get some people in yeah. your shows yeah
0: see that we had a mm. podcast about that a few sessions ago that was about online versus, versus live, live, live. Yeah. and it's it's like this translation between, yeah, there's a bunch of people that'll sit and watch you on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, but if you can't translate that into people actually rocking yep. up because show. they appreciate your presence, yep. then you've, I lost. Mean, like you've what? lost, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's kind of like that happy happening, so yeah, the extremes of that are, is if you're an artist, you know, are you better off spending all your fucking time and days in your room building your online presence, letting people all around the fucking world know you, and yes, you do have a genuine real presence, but you haven't gone into the venues, you haven't played just starting off gigs, you haven't fucking supported people, you haven't got to know that, oh, these are the technical things that go wrong when you're fucking playing live, mm. as opposed to the people who do the live circuit and they're fucking week in, week out, they're playing gigs to fucking 20, 30 people, they're doing the real in-person acts, <laughs> but they're not spending the time online. Yeah. So there's that happy medium that, um, you know, and I guess there's, there's no cookie-cutter fucking fix for every band, yeah. but yeah. it's interesting to see yeah, the values of people and where they lie on that scale. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to fucking live off, um, I mean, a creative industry is super hard to make a living off to pay, to live off, to pay rent and to live off. Um, You need to do both. Like, you need to be able to present yourself online to build an audience and then be able to monetize that audience in a non. Decept, uh, deceitful and fucking organic way, mm. as well as be able to play a fucking good live show. Mm. Like at the end of this, is music. We're here for yeah. fucking music. If you cannot play a good live show, you're not going to make a
3: career in it. Yeah. yeah. So you've played music since, we, since you were young?
2: Yeah. So I started my first band when I was like 13. I call it my first band, but we really just played to like friends and family. We never actually got it's into a band. any That's venues. A band. We wrote That's original songs. Underground, so underground
0: just, as fuck.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, so obscure, man. Yeah. Um, but my first like official band was, I guess, when I was like 15 and, um, yeah, at that time I was really, really into, like, 80s glam rock because I, at that time, like, in music, I, th- I think it was, this was, like, 2004. Crue, from
1: a recent picture I saw. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> like, definitely. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I think that, yeah, that's why I was into 80s music because at that time, 2004, like, I think heavy music was a bit like, ooh, um, mm. at least in my, what resonated with me. Um, Mid to
3: late 2000s, I feel like there was a big dip in. Yeah.
2: Really, yeah. I think like, that's
3: when I was into my heaviest shit. Yeah, yeah, metalcore was kind of growing at that stage, actually.
2: Yeah, see, I didn't discover metalcore yeah, until, like no. about 2006. This was Sydney.
1: You were in Sydney at this mm. point. So that's when I feel like that's when Melbourne. Melbourne had a big yeah. That's when scene. it was yeah. Flinders Street hangers was a thing. Like, we were there. Oh, dude. Flinders Street steps, bro. Yeah, man.
2: <laughs> we used to have town hall steps. I imagine that's, like, yeah, similar to really? the Yeah, same thing. a bunch
0: of emos just fucking doing emo shit. Flexing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah>. Flexing. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, so I was actually, like, yeah, definitely this, like, emo glam hybrid so yeah playing in bands um when i was like 15 but the only places to play were like christian hardcore shows like really underground like in halls and stuff Mm. um so i mean they were not all christian (laughs) but there was like a massive like christian community where i was from and like christian hardcore scene and then he was just my like all girl like band when I was like 15 wearing like tutus and cowboy boots don't know where I got yeah. that from. oh and the emo fringe so oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah just, like, that, that's a yeah, hybrid
3: That's yeah, yeah, like space like,
2: so so fringe
0: what was a crazy emo like, yeah. <laughs> can I just get a clarification on what is e- uh, christian hardcore what the, what no, it's oh it's just, just hardcore
3: music with christian lyrics yeah.
2: oh hardcore and yes screamer I am well.
3: going to google that after this
2: yeah, yeah there's, there's <laughs> this band
3: that I fucking love called beloved they're sick and they're a Christian band, but yeah. Anyway, that's a, a story for another podcast. So what else is kind of like a story for your therapist. So you, obviously you <laughs> love music and you're focusing now on like, uh, band consulting and stuff. Um, how did you figure out that that was something that you wanted to do?
2: Yeah. So I always wanted to work for myself. <laughs> so that's why I wanted yeah. to be a musician. Um, don't like really being told what to do or what time to get to work and whatnot. Um, So I always knew that I wanted to be like self-employed, but I always thought like I'd be like a journalist or a musician or something. And then um, when I started working for Heavy, it was when my old band broke up and um, I learned a lot very, very quickly. And I started to become like integrated and start to make connections in the scene naturally through like the work that I was doing. So um, learning a lot so quickly and then um, people started to see I was like writing and I used to get messages from bands bands that I knew, bands that I didn't know all the time, like multiple times a week. It was nuts for a little while. It was like, universe was just like, hey, like pay attention, pay attention. And um, so I was like, fuck, like I'd already started like YouTube because of this influence from my friend who I mentioned earlier, like doing like fashion videos and wasn't really that passionate about it, never really stuck to it. Um, So I was like, why don't I make YouTube videos and answer some of the most like common questions about social media and the industry I mean, I don't know everything, but, like, I feel like I know something now, something more that I felt like I was missing in my old band because when I was in my old band, I was in that band for six years and was beating my, I felt like I was beating my head against a glass ceiling continuously, mm-hmm. like, not just for the fact that we were, like, a female-fronted metal band and everyone was like, what do you mean you're not pop punk and don't wear jeans on stage? Like, what the fuck is this? Um, not just because of that, but because of we like we really didn't have a roadmap in order to get to that next level like how do you get management attention how do you start getting bigger supports like we were just playing and playing and playing and like felt like we're getting nowhere so and then all of a sudden that band ended and i really had this massive perspective combined with this like immense knowledge that i was getting very very quickly working for heavy um and so yeah i started this youtube channel and from there um one band approached me and they were like we don't really know exactly what we want from you, but we feel like we need to sit down with you and just, like, you need to, like, consult with us on some stuff. And I was like, okay, sick. So we went to the pub, did a few consulting sessions, and I was like, yeah, this is this is sick. Yeah. Like, I want to do this forever. Like, this is amazing. And I feel like I was getting so much out of it and they were getting so much out of it. And, like, who doesn't want a job where you can just, like, sit at the pub and talk, talk about music? music. Fucking oath. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how it started.
3: Yeah, nice. Nice. So that's le- led into what you do now. Give us a bit of a...
2: Yeah. So the YouTube channel turned into a blog, which um, is, has now been a podcast for a couple of months. Um, so I've had the blog for about a year now and um, have been sort of working like as a consultant for, I would say like officially a year is when I started actually like telling people <laughs> what yep. I was doing. Um, so yeah, it's just growing now. Um, it's not my full-time thing just yet, but it's certainly getting there. I've dropped a day at my day job, which I'm like, woohoo. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so fuck yeah. yeah, like, I don't know, 2020, hoping to, like, ramp up especially, like, the podcast and just take that up, like, to the next level.
3: Yeah, it's a good time for it. What yeah. is, like, the thing from the band consulting that you feel like you've learned that you didn't know before you started it mm. or, like, the main thing or, or number of things? What do you think is that, like, takeaway? He's trying to get take some away. free consultation out of this. <laughs> I see through your shit. I mean, we do it too, so. <laughs> 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 of um, course. No.
2: I think the thing that I thought before I started working as like on the industry side of things, I think the misconception that I had was that for some reason the music doesn't matter and that these industry people are looking for something. I mean, yes, they're looking for something that's marketable. Yes, they're like, you know, there's certain um, things that you need to have in place in order to be at that point where you're going to get approached by labels and whatnot, but I felt like when I was younger and in bands, like I felt like my band was really good and just that would be enough. Like I was in a good band and we were really great live and tight and everything, put on a good show. And I was like, why aren't these people coming and knocking? So I think the biggest thing that I've learned is the music actually matters. Like, at the end of the day, like, I've seen bands with, like, 2,000 Facebook likes. I mean, I was at Big Sound in 2017 when um, so many amazing bands, like Drown the City, Pagan, um, like, too many to name. <laughs> They're, mm. like, the key ones that I remember. And Pagan had, like, 2,000 Facebook likes at the time. And they were just getting offered international touring deals after that because their live show was fucking phenomenal. Mm. And they really, really stood out as a band to watch. And it didn't matter that they you know, only had 2,000 Facebook likes, a lot of bands would be like, oh, we want, like, 5,000 or 10,000. Um, but they put st- themselves
3: in that position, though. They played at big sounds. Exactly, so it's like, yeah. yeah.
2: And at the end of the day, it just came down to, like, people loved watching their live show and yeah. that really stood out to me.
3: So it can work, you know, putting the effort into being a really good band. Yeah. But you also have to have that other side of things where you – put the effort into actually getting to big sound, you know, you can't just play big sound. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. How do you get there as well?
2: Yeah. And that's when all the marketing and the branding and stuff comes into it.
3: So you found that like being a good band is like the core thing to, to, to start off with.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Definitely.
1: Music has to be, I mean, even if you look at the one, four and HP boys, you mentioned before, HP boys recorded fucking two tracks in their garage in Hampton park. And a fucking huge, yeah. Like a doing number. No, they no, they got a Facebook because they had to after they're selling out a New Zealand tour. Like they didn't have a Facebook, they had to so that they could start getting tagged with the people that they're rolling with. Um, like the music, a lot of bands is actually interesting. I think at one point you mentioned when in your first band when you felt like you were hitting your head against a glass ceiling, and then you kind of go off and work for a magazine, you kind of learn a little bit about the industry. Um, I think a lot of artists will resonate with that because they don't fully know the next step they want to take. Like they may think, okay, cool, I'm playing all these shows, we're doing this. Why isn't someone picking us up? Why aren't we getting management? Why aren't we getting tour uh, to a support? Why aren't we doing this? But they they don't have the perspective of the rest of the industry looking back onto a band yeah. to go mm-hmm. They're looking at it from, the band looking it from their point as opposed to so like by you going off and being able to work for someone like Heavy, you now get to see, okay, cool, this is what managers look for. This is how a label works. This is how the industry actually works. Mm, and when yeah. you see that side of it and you look into a band and how they act, because a lot of bands are very selfish in a way that they act. They do everything for that band. It's all for them. It's mm. not for anything else. It's not for the mm. music industry. It's not Self-serving. For any, it's all it is. And they think, why aren't I getting picked up? And when you see how the industry works, it's very clearly why these guys don't get picked up.
3: Yeah, you, you start to see when you start analysing... Things – I guess it's like when you – this is kind of weird, like, correlation, but when you learn music and, you know, you feel like when you – as soon as you kind of get something, you're like, cool, I'm a musician now. But then you look and you finally learn how to learn the theory and all of the stuff and then you you can – Put poke Correct. holes in the stuff that you've done in the past.
1: Hundred percent. It's kind of
3: like a similar co- correlation, I guess. But, yep. 100%. Yeah. Hundred
1: percent. And so, like, I songwriting, I think, is a huge. On like, mm. I'm not gonna fucking pretend to be a songwriter, but you can tell when people learn, or a band or an artist learns How that the music they write or. is not for them or their band.
3: Mm. It's
1: for the people that they're listening. If you write, you write a song. It's for you. If you write a song for you, don't complain when no one else fucking buys it. You buy your shitty song. Okay? Then don't fucking... (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) No. Tell us (laughs) what you really think, man. 100%. (laughs) And then do not fucking complain when no one buys your song and you don't have Korean music because you wrote that fucking song for you. When people start writing songs for the audience, for the people who listen to them, you can really hear that their songwriting changes. And then that's when you go, oh, man, I listened to this song and fuck, I just went through this fucking breakup and this is how I, how the fuck were they listening to my thoughts and how this was written yeah. for me yeah like there's a difference between that and you listen to someone's song you're like, okay cool well you wrote this about that point in your life cool this song was written for you that there's a difference between hitting the on repeat button as to just next like going Correct. to the next thing yep
0: like and when you when you vibe with something, when something's like, oh, this is literally written about me, my life. Yeah.
1: like like how did that get in my head? Yeah, it's because the the
0: ability. You understand
3: that. Yeah, yeah,
1: you understand. You can. There is such a skill to writing something that can be generic enough that two million people can listen to it and resonate with it, but so specific enough that you feel that it was written for fucking you. Mm. And that's a lot. The early early artists and it's yeah, it's a shift in mindset. As to go into I'm doing this for me as opposed to all right, I'm doing this for yeah. everyone else.
2: Yeah. I mean you can still draw on like your personal experiences because if you felt something likely and others you should. But it's about finding yeah, yeah finding you to, that balance you can't of write like something
1: genuine if it's not
2: Yeah. The biggest thing that I find, especially like, you know, if I've got like a client and they're trying to decide on singles and all their songs that on their EP or album are like Five and a half minutes long, and they're like, Which one should be the single? I'm like, Well, this one has a catchy chorus, but like, can't we just cut the guitar solo in half? Like, Mm. or the why does the why is there an intro and an outro that goes for like one minute each? I've got a question on that, yeah, yeah.
3: How do you feel like you because you've talked to a few bands now, how do you feel that they receive that? Because me as a producer, I have to do that as well, yeah, and I have to say, This part is unnecessary, we're cutting this out of your song, and you might not like it, but like, how do you? What response do you normally get from people when you say, you know, this part is unnecessary, this can't be a single, this is not a great song, blah, 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 blah?
2: Mm. Um. By the time they've gotten to me, usually they're like the album is done and mixed and mastered yeah. and it's like <sighs> there's not too much. Like I can gently suggest maybe another song that's shorter or something like that. Um, I'm still navigating that, but yeah, yeah, to me it's like it is the producer's role and that's why finding a good producer, someone that is going to be like, guys, like yep. you don't need a six-minute song, like yep. as your single when it's like your first single ever. Yep. <laughs> um, someone so, should
1: have stepped in earlier
2: in that yeah, process. Yeah, so it's like hard in my position. Yeah. Um, but if they haven't recorded yet, then that's when I can help them find a producer who I mm. know is going to be that kind of cutthroat person.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. Like my band's latest single, we got in there and our song got completely ripped to shreds. Mm. They were like, "We're going to take this riff and we're basically going to build a brand new song." And me and my guitarist were like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Um. But we're both completely open to it, and it's definitely our best song to date. And yeah. The- and that's, I would the, agree that's,
3: that's
1: with that. the important thing: being yeah. open to it, because yeah. there's, and again, it's it's. They're looking at it from you wrote this for you or did you write this for other people? Like being, going, okay, cool, I wrote a song, but guess what? I'm open to the fact that it might be, not be the best or most commercially viable song in the state that it is. Got some cool elements. Let's go and work it. Let's get another set of eyes in the room. Let's look at it from a commercial stand standpoint. And at the end of the day, if the track is fucking tight and the structure is good, like all it is is having another set of eyes before you fucking press it. Do you know what mm. it is? It's,
3: it's you have to understand what the end goal is for that song. Right. So it's like, and it's the same for any band. It's like, what is your end goal? Do you just want to be playing the local scene? Because you can do that. And that, that way it's actually easier because you don't have to care what anyone thinks. Do you want to be playing festivals? Okay. Well then you've got to think about things a little bit differently. Do you want your songs to be on the radio? Again, different avenue. Yeah. So then you, you have to kind of go. Like are are you aim. You can release a five and a half minute song if that w- is what the song's intention is. Yep. Yeah. You know, Definitely. a five and a half. You know, like we were listening to Gang of Views before. Yeah. Their songs all go for five minutes. They're got they seven minute songs. Yeah, together. and they get played on Triple J, but that's because that song requires that epic build and mm. you know it needs that. Whereas some bands, if they're writing a pop song, okay, it goes for less than three minutes. Yeah. Simple as that. Like, yeah. so. Mm. I think that that's the approach that a lot of people don't understand or, or can get personally attached to. They're like, this is how the song is. It's like, yep, but, you know, we've got other songs that we can use or you can build that song into another song. Just because it's finished in your head doesn't mean it's actually finished. Yeah, We've had both sides of that
0: argument happen totally. in this room, like yeah. with, with some people being super open, being like, what do you think? Let's mix and match. Yeah. Let's, let's pull mm-hmm. a song apart and restart. And then we've had people in the same band be completely stonewalling about yeah yeah Yeah.
1: which is fine like at the end of the we especially like as a studio and as a producer we we will play out the role that is required Mm. if you want someone to record your song cool we'll record it if you want someone to try to get the most out of the song to try to maximize beautiful we're here as well like there's years of experience in the room let's fucking use them if you want if you just want to record what you wrote it's completely fine it's completely up to you but, again, coming down to expectations and what you want out of it is a yeah. big thing. If you, if you have the expectation of something going to happen and you're not willing for anyone else's opinion to, to come budge, into the room, yeah. then don't be surprised if you didn't get the right out. You, you might. You might nail it. And in which case, fucking sweet. Mm. But if it doesn't and you didn't listen to anyone else's advice along the way, you've got yourself to blame.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people feel that having that mentality of like overanalyzing what the outcome is going to be is going to be, is, is kind of like selling out. And I know that that's kind of how I used to think a I few think years ago. I think that's an immature
1: mindset in the industry. Yeah. And I also think a lot but of that people. That happens
3: when you're young though.
1: It's like, an yeah. immature yeah, mindset yeah. in the industry. You get yeah. four years in and you realise that you're a fucking an idiot four years ago. <laughs> um, but even that, I think a lot of bands don't realise how many of the bands they listen to isn't the band actually writing that song themselves. Like, yeah. my cam oh, yeah. just got back together guess what everyone listening My camera, those fucking dudes did not write the Black Parade themselves they had a fucking producer who came in and worked the songs they worked yeah, that album yeah you hear the original Kef- demo careful. You can yeah. careful now yeah, yeah listen <laughs> the original demos There's of the Mark Black Parade some MCR like <laughs> emos in the room right now <laughs> I mean. oh dude I saw, I saw them back in the day when they were touring that album before that album came out I've seen them a bunch of times when they were in their heyday Don't forget get anyone okay. forget anyone going to download now it's fucking OG <laughs> but but okay, mate. they right, did mate. not they did not write that album like they yeah. had producers there was other people in the room to get that album so yeah. when a lot of bands starting out they don't realize that they're like oh it takes four four or five people in the band and we're gonna do it right. like that just mm-hmm. being open to that idea just someone exposing them to that as a concept in terms of that's how music's written i think that's um something that hasn't fully transitioned into the mainstream up-and-coming bands and artists yet
2: yeah but it's <laughs> not a
1: normal thing to invite a producer into your fucking rehearsal session
3: yeah Let's talk about something that might be uncomfortable, but what are the biggest mistakes that you've made? As a band? Oh, as a person in the music industry. Just in like life Ooh. in general.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it's time to one time, time when yeah.
2: well, I <laughs> I dated this guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> definitely Me a mistake. Too. Actually, no, because I got a lot of uh, good songs out of that. But um,
3: <laughs> Silver lining. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, gosh, biggest mistakes. Um... Mm. Or
3: like, what was the thing that you learnt that you're like, okay, I'll never do that again. I, I can kick it off. I've got a super good one. So when in, I was in, asking our
1: guest, yeah, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. And to ease the transition, to ease the transition. <laughs> yeah. um, so back in the DYE, this would have been 2013 or something. Mm. I was in the meeting that actively part, that actively said against us setting up an Instagram page. I was like, no, nah, we're not fucking doing it. What year was <laughs> this? I've heard this. 2013.
0: 2013.
3: Okay.
1: Yeah. I had I, same- I, was, I was the voice that said, "Nah, fuck this. We're gonna play shows, and we're gonna be in person. We're gonna be, we're gonna be that band in person."
3: Yeah, no digital marketing. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, correct. how <laughs> like, nah, Fuck this
1: fucking bullshit. Fucking legit, bro. Yeah, <laughs> and then you go through it. You learn the systems. You see it from the outside. You go, oh, "Okay, cool. Fuck, that might have not been a mistake." You go through, it and to the point where, like, the studios, this business was built on social media. Mm. Like, mm. that's it. Takes going through those things to to learn it.
3: Mm.
2: I think one of my biggest mistakes is letting lineup changes completely stall the progress of my bands that I've been in. My old band went through uh, several lineup changes yep. and it was a little bit of a different time then. However, um, it definitely stalled us because we waited and waited to get like a replacement rhythm guitarist. Yep where we could have just got, like, a session guy or, like, put the guitars on tracks. So you were trying
3: to find the right person.
2: Yeah, and then, like, this new person would come in and then we'd, like, rehearse and then we'd, like, play shows and stuff. Yeah. Um, Whereas... Nowadays, like, you know, I had a situation happen to me this year with my band. I had three band members leave in the period of three months, Mm. all for, like, varying different reasons and, like, no, like, animosity. In fact, one's coming back. He had to get sent off to Amsterdam for work, and now he's coming back. So I'm so excited about that. But um, we still released and recorded this single, and um, me and my guitarist had to sit down together and we'd be like, we can let, like, we can kind of, like, let this stall our progress for a year or something until we like find the right people to like come in and like reform the project and stuff. Or we can think a bit more outside the box. And luckily I had, um, some really good friends of mine, Red Hook, go through a very similar thing only last year. And her and her guitar, uh, Emmy, one of my best friends, and her guitarist really, really powered through and they were very good um, role models in terms of, yeah. okay, so how did they how did they do it? They worked with a producer mm-hmm. and they kept on songwriting and releasing just as them two and then they eventually found, Sweet. you know, the right people to come in now. And if they hadn't have done that, they wouldn't have played Download in the UK. They wouldn't have played Download like mm. 2019 and yeah. 20, they wouldn't have played good things. Like they wouldn't have toured with like Seven Dust and yeah, Bad wow. Wolves and all the amazing people they've toured with. They made the decision to keep if going. If they
3: had have been in that narrow mindset yeah. where have we got to find a band before we can start recording music. Exactly. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And if you're stuck in that position, like reach out to someone in the industry, like reach out to a producer or you know, someone like a consultant or something like that and be like, I'm in this position. I don't want this to stall my career because like as much as I don't want to, I don't want to say like time is of the essence, like in terms of like age and whatnot, because, you know. You in the throwaway
3: music scene it is. Yeah. Definitely. Like
2: there may be some genres where that is a factor. Um, I, you know, I play in the heavy music scene where it's like not so much of a factor. Um but definitely, like, you don't, want to, you don't want to waste your life. You want to keep going towards your dreams. And I think having outside people have influence on what my goals were and what I could personally accomplish in my life was a huge mistake. Yeah. So yep. I'm glad I've learned from that now. And, yeah.
1: <laughs> and even one thing that you mentioned there was reach out. You're like, we reached out to a producer another person. Reach out. Yeah. So many people uh, are yeah. Yeah, not just in the music industry, but on whether they're pursuing a hobby or a passion, whatever it is, um, there's a sense of the first three or four years of going about it alone you're in solidarity watching youtube fucking videos learning tutorials whatever it is but it's going about it on your own when reaching out just literally sending whether it's someone like yourself or the studios someone completely fucking random go on instagram send someone a message being hey i'm going through this like do you have any tips mm. something as easy as that can alleviate so much stress and internal fucking dialogue that people put their minds through which is completely unnecessary just because they're going about it on their own
2: yeah so at
1: that point of just reaching out to someone is hugely valuable
2: yeah not just for the strategy but for the moral support as well like yeah
1: for every everything and anything and all the little intangibles that come along with it like just being able to talk to someone else about what the fuck you're going through all the little things that you you don't think are on your journey from a to b they help you Mm. all
3: the other little because they can see the things that you're that you've got your blinders on this is what's wrong with me it's like hang on, you're not noticing the shit that's going on off the sides here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone else can see that without and yep. even thinking. Yep. And yeah. I just want
2: to say, like, without any disrespect to, like, any old band members, because it was an amicable um, thing that happened, but every, even with my old band, every single time that we had a lineup change, always for the better. We always got someone mm. who was more passionate, had mm-hmm. more skills that could contribute to the business side and the admin side of the band, rather than hangers-on that just want a free ride and just totally. want to turn up to rehearsals and not put mm-hmm. any money in or something. What do you see
3: like um, as... A consultant, what do you see as kind of the main things that, like a lot of bands are doing? Do you see some common commonalities between bands, and you're like, why do I keep seeing this? Is there anything like that?
2: Mm, I have yeah. my biggest pet peeve. Go do you want to hear it? <laughs> um, so releasing an album because they think it's going to get them um, oh, more yeah. respect.
3: Oh right. Releasing an
2: album before they're ready. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. The big we, album thing. We've talked about this many a time. Oh, have you? Yeah, the oh, era
3: yeah. of the album is kind of done. Like, albums have their place. It depends on the genre. I think you'll, But I mean, at the start If you're trying to album, Expose you, yourself To the public You release no an album When you singles. think you're in
1: line For awards Or there's a reason to The fan, yeah. You'll know when there's a reason To release an album Yeah Otherwise why you fuck, You don't need to put in Eight months And all the money And cost that goes into it You can drip feed You can create So much more content On going to create Awareness around your brand Your personal brand All the other fucking bullshit That everyone already Fucking knows Without going away To create an album For eight months And then drop it And think you're going to Change the fucking world
2: It's too much for new fans It's like what song do I listen to? Like, yeah. but that, that,
1: but it's not that. That thought process doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. they just don't listen. Yeah, they go to Spotify and they click
0: next. Well, they're
2: just gonna click yeah. on the song They go next. Anyway. There's, purely there's...
0: from an industrial standpoint. <laughs> 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 What's is
3: that?
0: I mean, like from a manufacturing standpoint. Okay, right. right. Which he is I'm right. trained. Right. He, he was, was right. right. He yeah. was yeah. right. The album came from how many fucking yeah. bits of LP. information you could fit on whatever medium you were talking about, right? And yeah. then, then, But then you could do multiple discs and you could do all that crap. But yep. it was generally decided about this is how much information you had. This was about 10 songs worth. 45 minutes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Make it There's fit. An EP That's an LP. album. There you yeah. go. Yep. That doesn't exist anymore. There is no manufacturing around music anymore. There's
1: no no limitations. So why the fuck does an album exist? Release your songs as they come out. Correct. That's funny, actually.
3: That is a great. That's a good point. That's a great point
1: because guess how how do people consume music? Spotify. Is there any restrictions on time or anything like that? (laughs) No. So the goal should be to put out as many songs on where people are consuming music. Yeah, regularly. That's funny though.
3: What and that made me think of the opposite side. Why aren't there Bands that are doing like fucking epic three-hour-long albums and shit. Like, yeah. there's no limitations. Because no one can
2: afford that.
1: Mars <laughs> Volta
3: yeah. did some shit like that. Mars Volta played two and a half hour-long gigs, That's and I've been sick, to one though. where they played nine songs, and I was like, okay, I love this band, but I am so tired, and my back hurts, and I kind of. But I stayed till the end. <laughs> That's because I, you're like sixty but years, years old. I can't remember half of them. <laughs> Didn't
1: <laughs> you? Weren't you there when the Beatles played their first show in Australia? <laughs> oh. Dude, were you with the crowd?
2: <laughs> yes, it was great. <laughs> I loved it. I was crying.
1: it's <laughs> oh, gold.
3: Nice. So, oh, what's yeah. future bringing?
1: Yeah, the future. Plug. Mm. This is a good chance you uh plug the band. So, you guys just dropped
3: a single as well. Yeah, it's a big song. It is a good, a big track. We were we were rocking it big earlier, it's, and it's insane. getting played. It's a played. massive step up in production, might I say. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. We sounds worked, awesome. Worked with uh Chris Lalick from Wind Waker who's the drummer. Um and yeah so we've got a new single it's called like a ghost and there is a lyric video out there as well on facebook and youtube and um yeah that came out 25th of october so it's been out a few weeks but we just got added to rotation on triple j unearthed perfect. Nice. Yeah. Is that super stoked with that so. love that
1: and that's been yeah. played on
3: home and hosed or it, just has
2: it just got played on home and hosed this week okay cool um, so perfect yeah what's Pete, the
3: response been so far
2: yeah, good. We've been played on Triple J a couple of times for this single now. So, nice. um, yeah, if people just keep texting in and giving us reviews on Unearthed, hopefully we can get a rotation on the Big Boy radio station Love it. next.
3: The <laughs> big, <boy> <laughs> <Or laughs> big Boy radio station. Big Boy radio station.
2: The main station. Yeah,
3: nice. What else? What else? Consulting artists. uh the podcast all that sort of
2: stuff yeah so i have just wrapped up i actually with this single release i decided to document everything in a vip group so um, we had members come in and subscribe for five weeks and basically i shared everything like i took them in like the back end of like the spotify stats and like showed like showed them exactly what my pr company wrote in terms of like applying for playlists like I documented like the whole journey from, uh, you know, setting up like pre-orders and organizing the PR and then going through the actual release and what I was doing on marketing, like every single thing to do with this single release. So I've just finished up, um, as of today, the five weeks have ended and I'm now turning that into an online course. So, um, whilst it's not the, it's like basically the videos that I did live, but in a course and you can rewatch it back and reverse engineer everything that my band did. Um, and I'm fully transparent. Like I'm like, I wouldn't invest this much money in ads again. Like, yeah. so, mm. but this is what I would recommend kind of thing. Mm. So if you're kind of, you know, you feel like you haven't got the traction for your singles or your releases maybe in the past, then watching, because I feel like there's no transparency in like what a band, an emerging local band is doing to kind of push to that next level. Mm. and having like the triple j unearthed rotation is like definitely like a tick <laughs> that mm. we like accomplished through this and um yeah so if you want to be a part of that course version of that that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks so um definitely like come follow me on instagram it's just monica strut and i will let you know nice
3: when that's coming perfect out. Mm. any other questions
0: no nice. mm, i think we're about good davy Oh, okay. I've always got a question. Hold on. Um, all right. So, when you go to a gig, right, who rocks up the first? How do you band? Surprisingly good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, very intricate. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know. Um, usually, me, a lot of the time.
0: And you play. Vocals. Just vocals? Yeah. She plays, she plays drummer. And she, plays,
1: she plays the vocal.
2: <laughs> yeah, she plays the
1: vocal.
0: I don't know. Like
2: we oh gosh.
1: Are you guys playing any gigs coming up by the way that you want to yeah. play?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. We we are playing a gig. Um seventh of December. <laughs> your
0: New York
1: question. I helped.
2: Seventh <laughs> of December supporting um bare bones at Stay Gold with Fangs, who are my friends from Sydney. So oh, nice. nice. Stay yeah.
0: Gold venue is fucking sick the Yeah, venues. oh my god, yeah. that's so
2: good.
3: It's kicking goals, isn't it?
0: Yep. So I'll
2: get back to you on who turns up first to that gig. Okay, good. Yeah.
0: Because,
3: I'm, I'm, why are you interested in that?
0: Because I've got a I've got a theory <laughs> that the drummer is like the most dedicated well, and the they most they need to cause they the, the fucking, fucking drunk on yeah. band member of every but band that's, that's, thank you dude, that's their that's, choice dude, though. no that's it's not their fucking choice no correct
1: correct <laughs> she said that not me <laughs> <laughs> you, you need was, a drum line. I was the fucking <laughs> DJ man I had to play with two MCs who brought nothing we had we we, yeah, we, we supplied yeah. our own so wireless mics we supplied our own wireless mics which guess what ended up with the fucking DJ gear so I'm the one carrying fucking turntables mixes fucking records what what? Yeah, are they I'm the vocals. So I, yeah, the I can see that question. Who turns up? I'm
0: trying to change yeah. the game from the inside. Okay. The vocalists should be fucking lifting in the drums. <laughs> yep.
3: Sometimes they do. I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good. I'm Glad yeah, to hear yeah. it. All the vocalists yeah. out there, yeah. please help the drummer and the guitarists yep. take and in the DJs their Don't just yeah. people with yeah, It's know, a, it's a band. It's a weird hill to die on, but I'll die on this one. Oh god. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, it's no, <laughs> gold. Nice. All right. All right. Well, thank cool. you for visiting and being on the podcast. Yeah, thank, thank you. Is there anything else you want to plug before we go?
2: No, that's it. Just the show, 7th of December, and uh, come follow me on Instagram. Perfect. Monica <laughs> sure.
1: Strutt, uh, if you're a band in the heavy industry or the he- heavy genre and you want to improve your social media presence, look at how you guys can take your band, your artists, to the next level. Definitely get in touch with her. Um, Marshall Street Podcast, follow us on all the fucking platforms. Like, subscribe, subscribe. comment, hit us up in the emails. We'll answer all the questions. Stu will not shave his beard again after this month because...
3: I might keep the mow. Watch it when it grows you Are you going to keep the mow but keep shaving your beard? (laughs) Watch when it comes in. I don't mind it. It doesn't. You heard it here first, everybody. Yeah. I'm not going to go
0: into any more detail. <laughs> you look like a <laughs> 70s porn star. I'm yeah, fucking I'm like about that. that shit. <laughs> See, I don't mind it. I
3: don't all mind. Right. Well, on that Deb though, right? hates it. Deb needs the beer. Okay, so <laughs> well, that we might are be a problem here. Thank yeah, you very right. much. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah.